Lord, we have much to talk about tonight, much to spend time with you with. and I just ask that you would truly be in this place. And you would come and fill this place with your spirit in a special way. We desire to hear from you. We desire to spend time with you and to be close to you. Truly. And I just ask that you would work your will and your way in the study tonight and that we'd walk away changed forever. That every need would be provided for. That everything in our heart that's going on would be at rest. That we'd have a great peace that surpasses understanding, Lord. So please teach us tonight. We thank you that you even come and listen to us and are here for us once again. We say thank you. We lift this time into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, um, what we're going to do is, Robert, you want to pass those out to everybody, make sure, let's make sure everybody gets one. Okay, we should be good. Um, what we're going to be talking about tonight is just a brief period on uh, prayer, on prayer and spending time with the King. And I want to practice that tonight too as well. I mean, I'm talking about we practice that. The Lord said, Jesus our King, my Father's house is a house of prayer. A house of prayer. <coughs> it's a house of prayer, but so many times it's not a house of prayer, if you know what I mean. When we go into the house of prayer, when we go into the place of prayer, let's just ask you, that: how much time do we spend in the house of prayer? How much time do we spend in the temple, in the church? How much time do we spend together in prayer? I bet you we've spent more time watching TV than we have praying in our lifetime. I bet you we've spent more time reading the Bible than we have praying. I bet you we've spent more time working and, oh, who knows? Everything in our life we have done. Prayer is probably the thing we've done the least of in our lives. When that's what we need the most of. When that is what makes us eat and breathe, that's what makes us live in this life, that's what gives us passion to burn. Prayer, that's what it's all about. If you're listening here via internet, I'm passing out a diagram of praying through the tabernacle. And it's a diagram of the tabernacle and what it looked like there within the tent. The word tabernacle, to, to tabernacle or to tent or to Jesus, when it says the word dwelt or Jesus dwelt among us, that word dwelt there is tabernacle among us. Tent, the place of dwelling. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was the place where God dwelt, where, the whole, where His Spirit was, the kabod, the glory of God was there in this place, in this tent. What you're looking at here is you see Okay, you have this giant uh, rectangle, okay? You would enter in here, if you're looking at the page from the right side here, where it says, number one, the gate. You see that? The gate here. This was not a very big place, the tabernacle. Very small. 75 feet wide by 150 feet long. That's very small. It's not a very big place. Robert, what do you think? What's the distance from, uh, from the door to... Uh, Probably 50 feet. Really? 
probably 150 feet wide. Really? So it's probably this wide. We're talking about from the garage all the way yeah. to the end over here. So if these walls were blown out, not a very big place to dwell if you think about it. And the glory of God dwelt within this place. It's awesome. He actually, it dwelt even in a smaller place here in the Holy of Holies. There, if you look all the way to the left there, where it says, number 8, the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, you see that square there. That's where the Kabbalah, the glory of God, dwelt there. And remember on Yom Kippur, once a year, the priests would what? Go in there. Once a year, on one day, the Day of Atonement, they could go into... Well, let me explain before I say it, before they went into... What they would do is they would make a sacrifice for the entire nation. They would go in and bring a sacrifice unto the Lord for the entire nation of Israel. And this sacrifice is supposed to be just the purest of sacrifices. It came in once a year, this offering unto the king, unto God, supposedly kind of covering the sin of Israel. It was just covered. It was kind of swept under the rug. It was not dealt with until Christ came, of course, the ultimate sacrifice. But what would happen is the priests would walk in. You see through these eight different places that we're looking at here in the tabernacle. They would stop at each place and do something different before they get into the Holy of Holies. Now, what they would do is they would tie a rope with a bell around the priest because around his leg. Because when he walked into the Holy of Holies, when he, when he got into the Holy of Holies, if it was not a pure enough atonement, if it was not a pure sacrifice before the Father, if it was not done right, the Lord would strike him dead. And so they would tie a rope with a bell around his leg and he would shake the bell, ring a ring, you know, and as long as he's shaking the bell, they know he's not dead. So he'd go into the Holy of Holies and do this, offering the sacrifice here and come back out. And no man ever died. No man was ever struck dead there. The grace of God, that's for sure. Amazing. But praying through the tabernacle. So this tabernacle, very small, Look at the quote here in the, in the upper left-hand corner. Look what it says there. Because Moses probably said, God, the tabernacle is too small for three million people to fit in. But God said, not that many people desire to be in my presence. Not that many people desire to be in my presence. And that is the truth, my friend. How many of us truly desire to be in the presence of God? If we do, then why don't we spend more time there? We desire to be at the movies over spending time with the king. We desire doing this or doing that aside from spending time with the king, just as these three million Israelites did back in the day. Prayer. Spurgeon sometimes, the prince of preachers, would stand up on the pulpit and pray for 25 minutes straight sometimes. And people would come from all over just to hear him and they would write down his prayers because they're so amazing. The way Spurgeon studied it, he did this. He put his Bible down in front of him. He got in his face before the Lord. And he prayed. And that is the way he studied. And that is the way we are to study, my friends. Going to the author of this book. Going to the maker of all things. Going back to the Old Testament before the Bible was written, before the Pentateuch was even brought, the first five books of the Bible was even brought into existence, what did the men do there? They dwelt with God. They spent time with the King. That's all they had. That's all they could do. They had no law to meditate on. They spent time with the Father. They got to know the Father's heart. My friends, I want to know God. 
I want to know him like the Old Testament prophets did. I want to know him like Paul did. I want to know him. How do you know him? You spend time with him. You talk to him. Man, it got me fired up, you know, when we were up at camp and, 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 and Josh White said to us, how come there's so many Christians that do all this stuff for God but don't even know Him? The amount of time that you have spent with God, would you say that you know Him? Compare the amount of time you spent with God to the amount of time you spent with other people. Like, who are your friends and how much time do you spend with them? Do you say that you know them? Well, yeah, because I spent a lot of time with them. Okay. Now, take the time that you spend with God and compare that to a person. Would you know that person that you spent the same amount of time with God and applied that to a person? Would you know that person? Would you say that you know them? Sounds like to me, in my life, God's kind of an acquaintance. He's kind of like that guy that I talk to a little bit here and there, but I don't see him very often. He's not my best buddy. I'm not calling him on the phone all day long, talking to him, spending time with him. All the mysteries of the entire universe are hidden in him. Don't you know that? If you want to know something, you can go to him and ask him. He will bring it to you. All the mysteries of life are found in him. Everything is found in prayer. And we do not do that enough. Let's look at our church time. For the majority of us, Church is what? How much time do we spend in prayer? Five minutes on the pulpit? When's the last time you saw a preacher get up on the pulpit and say, Hey, listen up, congregation. We are going to teach for 30 minutes and then we're going to pray for the next 45 minutes and let that all soak in and talk to the Lord about those things and spend time with them. Then we're going to pray for our neighbors and the people next to us. You wonder what the weird thing is? It's awkward sometimes, but I love doing this. I walk up to people that I don't even know sometimes and say, let me pray for you and you pray for me at church. Let me pray for you. you what? You want me to pray for you? Huh? I don't know how to pray. Huh? What? 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 You don't know how to pray? Isn't that what you are and who you are? Isn't that what a Christian is? Someone who knows Christ and fellowships with Him? Somebody who prays all the time, right? It's not uncomfortable to pray. It's not weird or awkward. It shouldn't be a hard or difficult thing. It should be the greatest joy of our lives. Spending time with the King. I think it's a great deception from the enemy. He's come in and made it the most weird and awkward thing to us as a group. And so now we don't do it when it's the most essential, the most effective. You praying is, is more effective than you going out and opening your mouth and preaching the Gospel, my friends. You praying is more active and more happening than you going out and doing a work. Because God doesn't need you. God does not need you to accomplish His work. But when you pray and ask for His work to be done, it will be done. We see the Lord working through prayer constantly. We see Him pulling through. Prayer is essential and somehow it's been slipped from my fingers. Why, is it, why would it be awkward for a Christian to go and, I don't know, uh, pray for somebody at school or at their workplace. Why? Is, for somebody who works at McDonald's, is it awkward for him to flip a hamburger? 
or give it back across the table and say, you know, have a great day. That's what they do. It may be awkward for you. I do. I, I talk to people on the phones all day. Me and Robert, man, we hammer on the phones. And and majority of people can't. I mean, wouldn't really be able to handle it because you can't take all the no's. Like people are so rude to you, and they just tell you no all day. Like we bring a new business. I, I we go to like commercial businesses and pretty much just ask them if they're accepting quotes and if we can quote for them for their health insurance, right? And so they'll hammer us like no, you know, or. No, I already did it. You know, like like we know or something. We're just trying to get in there and get some business, you know. And they're just like fed up. And and the majority of people, I bet, could not go on there and sit down. And as soon as they get on there, even when I started too, it's extremely awkward to talk on those phones. And you're nervous, even though they don't see your face. Even though there's not, I mean, there's no connection there. You're going to hang up in like ten seconds. It doesn't even matter. It's no big deal. But I guarantee you, even if you had all the knowledge and all the schooling here in your head, if Robert sat down and, and, and schooled you for, you know, two or three weeks before you even picked up your first phone call, when you pick it up, what's going to happen? You know, and you're all scared, and like I was. I mean, I, you find yourself getting very nervous. But now, I mean, it's like, okay, you know, that's just what we do. Just make phone calls, make phone calls. That's what I do. That's what a Christian does, is he prays. That's who he is. That's everything about him. It shouldn't be a weird or awkward thing for any one of us in the church. It should be second nature to us. It should be first nature, if I can say that. It should be the nature of us. Praying and in constant fellowship with the Father all day, every day. It's not hard. It's the easiest thing you will ever do in your life. It's easier than making phone calls. It's easier than flipping burgers. It's easier than learning. It's easier than talking to anybody else. This is why. Because when you talk to the king, it's the easiest thing. Because he always listens. He doesn't come back at you like, that was stupid, you idiot. What are you talking Click! This burger's nasty, man. Get the thing, come on, give me a new one. He doesn't do those things. It should not be awkward for us, my friends. It should not be difficult. We shouldn't think twice when we say, when we hear in our ear, maybe I should pray for that person. No, that's what I mean. You know, what, what are they going to think? This, no! It should be reality in our hearts and our lives. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want prayer to become a reality in your life. The real deal. Your nature, that's who you are. Think about it, my friends. What are we missing out on? Because we don't spend time in prayer. Is this hard? Hey, Lord, how's it going? Are me speaking from within myself? Talking to the King. And we don't ever do it. What are we missing out on? I want to give you a structure of prayer here. It hits some awesome key. It hits everything. Praying through the tabernacle. Coming through the tabernacle. Stopping at each station there. And doing all the things that the priest would do. You will find yourself being able to pray for 45 minutes, I guarantee, like minimum. Without even trying. We spent four hours praying by ourselves one time when we went off. John told us to go spend four hours with the Lord. Spend about, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was. It was like 20 or 30 minutes on each section. And to sit with the Lord and let Him minister to your heart. And it was awesome. And it was 
amazing. And so we're going to go through this real quick, okay? I want you to take notes if, if you have a pen. If you don't, anybody need a pen? Anybody want a pen that doesn't have a pen? Anyone? Robert, set some pens back here. Make sure we get those, okay? I'm going to try to go through this because I want to now, and when we're done, we're going to pray through the tabernacle. We're going to pray together. It's going to be awesome. Oh, snap, Josh. We're going to pray. Hey! going to be sick, my friends. This is what we live for. This is who we are. This is what we do. Prayer is talking to God. If you don't talk to God, you don't know God. If you don't pray, you don't know God. I want to know Him. I want to get to know His heart. Okay. Here, okay, it's hard to read, and so I'm going to read it. This is the problem I was having with the computer here. Notice the eight different places here. Notice the eight different places. Ready? Everybody look at your diagram here, okay? Number one, see the gate. That's where you enter in. Number two there is the inner courts of the tabernacle. Number three is the brass altar. Number four is the brass laver. Number five, the table of showbread. Number six is the golden candlestick. Inside, remember this is in the holy place. Do you see that? At the top there of that box is the holy place. This small section here is the holy place. The table of showbread, the golden candlestick, and the altar of incense was in here. Okay? And number eight is the Holy of Holies. Remember, what separated the Holy of Holies from the Holy Place? Does anybody know? The veil. The veil, that's right. Remember, I, what's the number, Jay, on how many minutes it took to hang that thing? Gosh, it was like, seriously, something like a couple hundred or like 500 men or something crazy like that. And I can't remember the dimensions on it. Man, it's throwing me out, but the thing was unbelievably thick like like I don't know I think it was like 5 to 10 feet thick and the thing was immensely wide the thing was massive okay and we remember that it was ripped remember when Jesus died on the cross the veil was ripped from top to bottom who can rip from top to bottom who can rip the veil only the king can rip it and so uh, we see that God had ripped the veil and that's showing that you can now enter into the Holy of Holies enter into the throne of God and spend time with him anytime we're going to do that tonight we're going to enter in and spend time with the king. So let's just go through these things real quickly. I'm going to try to read through it so you can kind of see what it is here. You're going to have to break it down for yourselves, but I just want you to get the gist of each point that we're stopping at here, okay? Number one, Thanksgiving, the gate, the gate here. This is when you're walking through the tabernacle. You're walking in here, the gate. Psalm 104, what does it say? It says, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Thanksgiving. Thanking God. So here at the first place, we'll stop and we will thank God. Be specific about the blessings He has given you. When you're in a storm, when you're in a hard time, count your blessings. You will be a depressed person if you are not thankful. And you will be a great and full person when you are a grateful person. The problem with people is we are not specific about the blessings we have And so we think we have nothing and are not blessed people. The happy man is not the man who gets what he wants, but wants what he gets. He's happy with what he has. There's some scriptures down there at the bottom. Ephesians 5.20, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and Romans 8.28. The gifts that God has given us, the things that we are blessed with. Thanksgiving. When I was in the desert, one time John had us write down all the blessings that we could possibly think about that the Lord has given us. Every single one. 
I mean, he was getting into hundreds and hundreds, hours of writing, hours of writing things down. Everything. Wow, Lord, the wind in my hair is nice. The sun beaming on my face feels good. The clothes that I'm wearing. The fact that I get to brush my teeth every day and shave. The fact that I get good food to eat. The fact that I have some sweet brothers to hang out with. I mean, endless amounts. I wish I had my... I mean, I could just start listing off all the crazy things. And when you start thinking like that and being grateful and thankful about those things, like I said, you become a great and a full person on the inside. Count your blessings. If you're depressed, count your blessings. Start thanking God for every... Spend time there. Thinking about the things that God has done for you. Thank Him. Spend time here at the gate. Then number two... Enter into his courts, or the inner courts here. Praise. Remember? Psalm, oh great, it's the wrong verse here. It's Psalm 104. Psalm 104, it's the same verse there. You see that? It says Psalm 11.4, that's wrong. Psalm 104. Praise. Praise. But you said, Josh, thanks and praise are the same thing, right? No. Thanks is giving, being thankful for the things that you have. Praise is praising him for who he is. Praising him for who he is. Recognizing who God is. Like this. Praise Him for who He is. He is what? Almighty God. The great I Am. God says, I am whoever you need me to be. He's the immovable rock. He's the awesome Lord. The victorious warrior. He's the commanding King of Kings. He's the mighty conqueror. Listen. Take note to this. I write this down here. God doesn't need our praise. He is completely secure in His holiness. Praise is for you and for me, my friends. When you praise Him, you realize who He is and you have peace in your heart. You no longer think, how am I supposed to pay this bill or take care of this problem or that? Because you see Him for who He is and what He can and will do for all these things and problems. And we see down there in Psalm 22.3, down there at the bottom, God inhabits the praises of His people. When you praise Him, my friends, praise Praising God for who He is and how He's going to take care. It's important. So remember, thanksgiving and praise are two different things there, okay? Thanksgiving, thanking God for all the things that He's done for you. All the things that He's given you. Praise is what? Adoration unto God. Seeing who He is. Recognizing His character. Giving Him praise. The brass altar. The brass altar. This is where sin offerings are made. Number three. This is where sacrifice was done. There's two things here. We've talked about it before many times. Here at the Agape Feast, here at this place. Listen closely. Confession. This is the place for sin offerings. This is the place where we discuss sin with God. Confession. Homologale. Remember what does it mean? Homologale. Same speak. Or speak same, right? Speak the same. Confession, to speak the same. Homologeo is the word, to speak the same. There's two things here. Confession and what? Celebration, remember? Confession and celebration. Remember what I was talking about this? Stay focused, a lot of information. Okay, listen. Confession and celebration. There's two things here. Confessing, remember the negative part of this confession is what? I know that this is sin and I agree with you, Lord. Homologeo, to speak the same. Speaking same. I agree with you, God. I speak the same as you. I say, yes, this is sin. This is wrong. Confession. Lord, I believe this is wrong. What I'm doing is wrong. Speaking the same as God. Agreeing with Him. Do you understand? And then number two, saying what? The positive side. I am forgiven. I'm forgiven. It's forgotten. I'm forgiven. It's been forgotten. 
Listen to these. Just listen to this. Let me read it to you, okay? These things that I've written down. Confessing sin does not bring forgiveness. The cross has brought forgiveness. You were forgiven. You don't need to confess. But the more you confess, the more you appreciate what the Lord has done for you on the cross. The one who is forgiven much loves much. If you want to be free from sin, you must confess specifically. And I write down in quotes there, that thought was not right. I, I, I encourage you and I challenge you to start confessing all the sin that happens in your life all day, every day. If you think about thoughts, you look at some chick guys or girls, you say something about that girl, oh my gosh, what's she wearing? If these things happen, I, I dare you to start confessing that sin every single time you do it. And you'll start to realize how much you sin, and you'll be appreciative of the forgiveness that God has given you. But more than that, you'll see if that is wrong, and that's how you'll be set free from the sin. When you confess, you are freed, and you are liberated from your sin. If you don't roll away the stone, exposing the stink, there can be no resurrection in your life like Lazarus. If you don't roll away the stone, the stink, the confession, the thing, the sin in your life, there can be no resurrection for you and for me either. So what's number three? Confession. Number one, thanksgiving. Number two, praising the Lord. Looking Him, seeing who He is. Number three, confessing sin at the brass altar. You go to the brass altar to what? Be altered, my friends. To be altered. Number four, the brass labor. What's this? It's a bowl. The brass labor is the place where the priests would come in and wash their hands. You know what it was made up of? It, the women would bring their mirrors or their shiny objects and they would melt this thing down and that's what they would make this bowl. And so when you looked in this, you'd see your face. That's scary. You'd see who you are, your reflection. Washing your hands, what's the water? A picture of the spirit, but also washing of the word, washing of the hands. The word, the water, washing us thoroughly. And so what do you do here? Ephesians 5, 26 and 27, we see what? We are to wash ourselves in the Word. Joshua 1, 8 and Psalms 1, 2. Meditating on the Word day and night. What's the word meditate mean? It's like, remember, chewing. Chewing on, meditate, like the, the cow does with the grass. That's the picture that the Bible gives it. Medi- chewing on the grass. Chewing on the cud. Meditating on the Word. So what do you do here? You were to let the Lord reveal a verse to your heart. If you think of a verse, a verse comes to your heart. Listen, 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 listen. A verse comes to your heart and talk it through with the Lord. Say it. As you're praying, say, you bring forth the verse and you say it. Whatever verse is sitting in your heart. Don't go and look for a verse in the Bible. Just let it come through. You talk it over with the King. What does this mean? Like, the Lord causes all things to work together for good. Lord, you cause all things to work together for good. That's an amazing thing. And I'm so thankful that you're going to cause every single bit of my life, all things, what's all things, Lord? All th- every single aspect, every single bit to work for good. What does good mean, King? That you're going to cause it to be the greatest, most awesome time of my life. You're going to cause it all to work that way. You see that? You talk it through with the Lord, talking the Scripture over, meditating on the Scripture, spending time on it going through the brass labor, washing your hand and your mind, meditating on the Word, okay? Number five, the, sh- the table of showbread. The table of showbread. This is a place where you would bring your needs to the table here. You, 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 Philippians 4.19, you know, my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. 
spending time for your needs, the things that you're going through. The Father wants to help and wants to be there for you. He's a Father. Give us this day our daily bread, we ask. You have not because you ask not. Come to the Lord and lift your needs up to Him. We don't lift our needs up to the Lord enough, my friends, and that's why we're burdened as Christians, I think. Listen. Why are we burdened as Christians? Because many times we do not lift our needs up to the King. Lift your needs up to Him. Let your heart be blessed. Let your heart have peace knowing that He's going to provide and take care of you. Look at it this way. Here's the illustration. The more things you lift up in your life personally, guess what? The Lord's going to pull through. It's like this. I believe that the Lord's going to pull through for you in all aspects of life, no matter what, whether you pray or not. Because it says He's going to cause all things to work together for good, correct? But check this out. If you pray for these things, it's like taking a blindfold off your eyes. Because you've prayed for it, now the Lord pulls through for it, and you see the blessing, and you say, Oh, snap, the Lord pulled through. Praise be to the King. He pulled through for me once again. But if you are not praying, what happens? The Lord pulls through for you. You don't even see it as a blessing. You just see the Lord work through, and because you did not pray, you do not see the blessing happen. You do not see the Lord pull through, and so you don't get to receive that blessing. You don't get to see that. Your faith is not boosted. Every time you pray and the Lord pulls through, your faith is boosted. And so if you pray for everything in your life, the Lord will start pulling through. You'll see the Lord pulling through in those ways. And you'll say, wow, the Lord really does take care of me. You'll find yourself warring less. You'll find yourself with more peace in your life. Pray. Lift your knees to the King. So what do we got? Number one, the tabernacle, I mean the gate. Thanksgiving, giving thanks to the Lord. Number two, praising the Lord. Who for who He is and how He's going to take care of us. The brass altar, confession, talking to the Lord about our sin. Number four, washing ourselves in the Word. Meditating on the Word. Number five, your needs, things that you need. Pray for your own needs. Number six, the golden candlestick. Candlestick, hey, we are the light of the world. The candlestick here. We see that the seven candlesticks represented the seven churches in the book of Revelation. We can take this as... Praying for others' ministries. Praying for what? Hey, missionaries that you know. Praying for pastors that you know. Praying for churches that you know. Praying for ministries that you're involved in. Lifting up ministries to the King. The church needs prayer today, my friends. Lift up Chuck Smith. Lift up Calvary. Lift up all the different movements that are happening. The Baptists and the Pentecost. Lift them all up. Lift up the church. Pray and ask the King to bless them. Okay? Number seven, intercession for others. The altar of incense. The altar of incense. Intercession or praying for my people, my family members, my friends, my enemies. Guess what? When you pray for your enemies, your heart changes towards them. And it's an amazing thing. The more you pray for them, the more your heart is changed. It's prayer. Listen, this is important. Check this. Is prayer to help you change God's mind? No. It's to help God change your mind. It's to help God get you aligned with His will and what He wants in your life, my friends. Number seven, praying for others. Praying for your family members. So number one, thanksgiving. Number two, praise to the Lord. Number three, confession. Talking to the Lord about sin. 
thanking Him for forgiveness. Number four, washing yourself in the Word, meditating on a scripture. Number five, your needs, lifting up your needs to the Lord, the things that are going on in your life. Number six, the candlestick, the churches, praying for ministries, praying for others. Number seven, the altar of incense, praying for people, your family, friends, your enemies, all of the above. And number eight, when you enter in, the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, this is where you just worship the King and spend time with Him. Sit in the kebab, the glory of God. Just sit there and adore Him and sit in awe of Him after you've spent a quite a bit amount of time in prayer here. You can sing a song to Him from your heart. Spend time in quietness and submission. Be still and know that I am God. This is where you just adore the King. You exalt the King from your heart. And so, as I have mowed through this, the reason why I gave you this is so that we can do this. I want this house to be a house of prayer. And Father, we come to you. Father, we come to you on our knees. Showing you that you are the creator. You are the one we serve. You are the one we bow to. I just want to say thank you for letting us lift all these things up to you and that you've heard every single one. And that you're going to pull through in a new and a fresh and exciting way in every single thing we've lifted up. Thank you for ministering to our souls and refreshing us and rejuvenating and renewing us. Thank you that you've chosen us to work for you tonight and get, get much accomplished and much done and we get to walk away blessed that we did not just waste our night away but that we've spent it with you, King. And there's no greater joy than praying for others and being with you, Jesus. Would you lead, guide, and direct this group this week? Would you help us to pray more for people, Lord, to step out and to lay our hands on and to be in fellowship with you more this week? If there's anything you need, you let us know, Lord. We're here for you. We lift our lives and our hearts to you, everything we have. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.